This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello, Internet. I'm Dave Rubin, and by the looks of it, I'm still in Washington, D.C. That's right. We are in the swamp. This is day two uh, yesterday on top of doing our regular show. Uh, we also interviewed Congressman Dan Crenshaw, Congressman Matt Gates, and Senator Ron Johnson. We've got a long slew of interviews coming up today, including an interview at the Capitol in front of uh, a studio audience. Is it a studio? We're not really in a studio. A room full of people. Our local subscribers, about 100 people, are joining us at the Capitol as I sit down uh, with Kevin McCarthy this afternoon. Then we're going to take a tour of the Capitol, wander around the mall. Uh, that is going to be fun. Then we're having drinks at an undisclosed location, probably tequila, uh, and then more interviews tomorrow. And uh, as of this taping, still not one Democrat has responded to us, but we'll keep trying. In case you forgot, we're live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. If you have not subscribed, go ahead and do that. Uh, and then just because of our crazy schedule today, there will be no post-game show. Uh, so let's get right into it. We've got just a quick start, and then we're going to get into a, a community Q&A. Uh, Joe Biden, he was up in Canada for a couple days, and he sat down with Justin Trudeau. And tell me, when you watch this video, does it say confidence or what? What a real pleasure it is uh, to welcome President Biden to, uh, to Ottawa, back to Ottawa. It's so great to see you, Joe. Obviously, we've been working closely together over the past uh, few years on how to build uh, strong economies for everyone uh, in our two countries and around the world, uh, how to continue our fight against climate change and prepare uh, a stronger economic future for everyone, uh, but also how we deal with uh, changing you know, I said to Phoenix right before we started, are we being a little heavy handed by showing this video? Obviously, we always show the videos of him fumbling and stumbling and falling up the stairs and not knowing which way he's going and all that. But, you know, OK, he's going through the notes. But then it hit me. It's like, no, we're not being heavy handed because if that guy had not found the note card, you know, he fumbles through the papers and then he gets the note card. And on the note card, it literally, you know, they've they've taken pictures of his note cards before. It literally tells him who he's sitting next to, what their position is, who he can call on, what question he's going to answer. In effect, without that piece of paper, uh, he ain't much. He ain't much but a face-pulled-back, dentured weirdo. And that is a bit of a problem. Nobody really has confidence that this is the guy in charge of the ship. And look, I know, and a whole bunch of you have said it, I, I've been critical of Trump lately, but Trump, like him, hate him, doesn't matter. He can get up there and command a room and he knows what he's talking about and he knows who he's talking to and he knows what he believes and everything else. This is a major problem when the leader of any country, especially uh, the one remaining superpower, at least for now, uh, really barely knows what he is doing, and he just doesn't. Uh, but the hits continued as he wandered around. He met Pierre Polivier, uh, who is the leader of the uh, conservative party. It's the opposition 
party because obviously the liberals and Justin Trudeau are in charge of Canada. He was, Joe Biden was doing a couple handshakes, you know, the little line where they do the handshakes. And they had this very awkward moment. Mr. President, here, Paul, leader of His Majesty's loyal opposition. Absolutely. We believe that opposition is an act of loyalty in our system. Again, I might be a little heavy handed here, but we do too. Unfortunately, but then the way he walked away, as he said, unfortunately, like he didn't finish the joke. And it's like, he doesn't really believe in opposition, right? What is he calling all of us these days? Uh, is he calling us loyal opposition or just principled opposition or say just Republicans? No, everyone's a, what is it? A hardcore ultra MAGA extremist. That crazy speech that he gave with like the Hitler-like background and the red and the black and the fist pounding and blah, 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 blah. But this is what Joe Biden is. And of course, no compilation of Joe Biden would be complete without him getting lost. Mr. President, Mr. President, Iran keeps targeting Americans. Does there need to be a higher cost, sir? Former president, we're not going to stop, he says. That's your president, everybody. And I guess he is mine too. A man who doesn't know where he is without the notes. A man who makes a thinly veiled joke about totalitarian control to the opposition leader in Canada. And a guy who doesn't know which way to walk off stage. God bless him. But okay, let's do one nuts and bolts thing about him today about actual policy. Because, you know, I like to enlighten you too and not just go for the lowbrow stuff. Uh, I saw this tweet by Biden. And of course, it's not by Biden. Someone else writes him. He doesn't hold his phone. He doesn't even know what they tweet. But here we go. MAGA House Republican proposals would slash funding for border security, a move that could allow nearly 900 pounds of fentanyl into our country. We need more resources to secure the border, not less. It is so, guys, it is so extraordinary that whoever his handlers are even have the gall to talk about the border and fentanyl. The amount of fentanyl that has crossed the border under Biden administration is record pacing, as are all of the border crossings in general, you know, humans actually crossing the border. And then God knows where they go, unless they go to Martha's Vineyard, in which case everyone's gonna know about it and we're gonna get rid of them real quick. Uh, but yes, we have a massive, massive fentanyl problem in the United States. Go to any big city. I mean, for those of you that are on Twitter, God bless you, what are you doing with your life? I mean, the videos that you can see on any given day, obviously San Francisco, obviously Los Angeles, but every blue city, uh, Philadelphia, I saw some really horrific videos out of Portland, Seattle, you, you know the list. Um, so if you're concerned about that, you would be sealing the border immediately. The idea that it's the Republicans' fault, the Republicans, who by the way, are not in charge of the White House, one of the few duties of the White House is to protect the border. The idea that it's their fault uh, that the fentanyl is getting across, the fentanyl doesn't just magically appear. Fentanyl doesn't just you know fabricate out of nothing, right? Fentanyl comes, a guy's got it in a bag, and he comes and he brings it over, and then they sell it or they give it away, actually. A lot of times they're giving it away to destroy these communities or get people hooked initially, whatever it might be. And that he has the gall, again, he doesn't know what he's doing or that he didn't actually put the tweet up to pretend that this is the Republicans' fault is just lunacy. But that's why a guy like me is here in the swamp. That's why I'm here in DC chatting with as many people as I can talk to because the system is screwy. It ain't working properly, but maybe uh, we can sign, uh, maybe we can shine some light 
on some of the people that can course correct this thing. Uh, I think particularly, I, I've enjoyed all of the interviews so far, but my interview with Senator Ron Johnson, who I've never had on the show before, I thought was really, really good. I mean, this guy, he holds no punches, whether he's going after Fauci or Biden or anybody. Uh, I think you're, you're gonna dig that. You're gonna dig them all, I promise you. There will be a lot of digging. And on that note, let's get to the rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Crafty says, after listening to the House committee last week on the testimony of the CEO of TikTok, there was damaging evidence that TikTok, that the TikTok app should be banned in the US. What are your thoughts on this? Have a great time in DC. Look, let's put aside TikTok for one second, then I'll address that specifically. We know that this thing, which we pretty much all have in our pocket all the time, is checking, I don't know, spying isn't even necessarily the right word at some point because we kind of all know it, right? We sign up for apps, you click accept, you should have a lawyer, but they know that most of us don't have a lawyer on retainer going, oh, did you download an app? I better look through that terms of service. We, we give it all away. The idea that all of these things are free, that Twitter is free and Facebook is free and YouTube is free, they're not free. We're the product, our data, our click habits, our viewing habits, how they can manipulate us, how they can push ads one way, what video they can show you so they can manipulate even what you think about politics. Are there weeks and months that go by that my videos don't show up in your feed at all and then suddenly out of nowhere you're like, boy, I have seen a lot of Dave lately, I'm sick of that guy. Uh, but then you don't see me for months after that. Like there are so many ways we are being manipulated and doom scrolling, right? Websites used to get to an end. Remember the old days? You'd go to ESPN.com, you'd read a couple stories, little football, little basketball, little baseball. You'd scroll down, it would get to the end. Then they removed that, right? And it became endless scroll. And the guy who invented endless scroll, uh, I've seen some interviews with him, he regrets it because it created this situation where our brains are always going and going and going. As for TikTok specifically, we know they're collecting data on us. It is a Chinese spyware app. That's, that's basically the simplest way to describe it. The, the clips that I saw of the TikTok CEO were not impressive. I mean, he basically said that the government of China pretty much can influence uh, their ability to collect data. Like if they, in essence, that if they uh, have data, the Chinese government is allowed to just go in, no questions asked, and, and take the data, force them to give up the data. Uh, but we have this, AOC doesn't wanna get rid of it. Um, it's, it's not good, but look, our own government is doing it to us on American apps. So I would say it sort of is what it is. Uh, one other thing on that though, I would also say if TikTok just disappeared tomorrow, it would probably be better for everybody. But you know, look, apps are tools. You can use it like anything else. The internet's a tool. You can use it for good. You can use it for evil. The choice is yours. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Uh, Prusky says, how did your talk at University of Wisconsin at Green Bay go? It was excellent. It was really great, you know, because of the kids, obviously. I haven't done a ton of travel. Here I am in D.C. at the moment. But I've been scaling back for the last year or so and then COVID before that on, on college gigs. And I forgot how much I missed them. I really, really enjoyed it. There was a nice uh, little private uh, uh, cocktail hour first, chatted with some folks. And, it, you know, it's nice also, especially to go to the middle of the country 
and just chat with people what's on their mind. And when I, you know, I talked with people about what they thought about the, the Trump DeSantis brouhaha and just talk about life. What do people do? I talked to a couple professors about the temperature on campus. One thing that consistently came up with several professors that I talked to is that kids are just afraid to say what they think. I was talking to an accounting professor and he's like, kids in my class won't even raise their hands anymore. They used to, I used, but now I have to force them. I have to call on them individually because nobody raises their hands anymore. That's, that's pretty chilling. Uh, but the talk itself was really enjoyable. I, you know, I, I, the one thing that I don't have on a day-to-day basis is the, is the live audience thing and I do miss that and we're, we're thinking about some things in the future to make that happen a little bit more either on the road or, or maybe a studio in Miami, so hang tight on that. But it, but it was good to be out there again. And it was really nice to meet a couple of you from the locals community who came on down. Uh, Miss Mama Panda says, hi Dave, would it be possible to do a locals community get together and visit the Rumble HQ studio in Sarasota? That would be so cool. So first off, I definitely wanna do more get togethers in general. We are doing one tonight in Washington, D.C., near the Capitol. It is for local subscribers only. Uh, If you're here in D.C. doing this event with us all day, you already know about it, but I will post the location for subscribers only a little bit later tonight, and we'll have some drinks and maybe some apps and just say hi and shoot the shit, as they say, and uh, and enjoy the evening. Uh, But yeah, I wanna do more in Florida for sure. Sarasota is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, the Rumble offices and studios are, are really, really fantastic. And they do, they're right on the water there and they've, they've got like a pretty great event space. So let me see what I can do about that. I will add it to the list. Phoenix, add it to the list. It's been added to the list. Uh, Florida Manchuk says, uh, what would you say to Nikki Haley's comments regarding DeSantis just following what Trump is doing? From everything I've seen, it actually appears to be the other way around. I know you did not object when she said it, but I'm curious if it caught you off guard. You know, it's interesting. I think you could probably argue this one either way. I remember the exact moment uh, that you're referring to in my interview with her from a week or two ago, where she's saying that DeSantis is replicating a lot of the Trump stuff. You know, it does seem like on some hand, on the other hand, you could look at Trump and be like, well, he's just jumping in on all the woke stuff now and he's jumping in on the critical race theory stuff. And like there's, you know, even he's, well, he hasn't done too much on ESG, but he does talk about China a lot. I don't even think it matters really. To me, if you have good policy, the question is who can ex- execute that policy the best? Who has the vision? And then are you able to actually communicate that vision and get something done about it? So if Trump and DeSantis, and this is, this is another reason I've been, I've been sort of more annoyed with Trump lately. If you guys agree on, let's say, 90% of the stuff, and I think that they probably do, if you really whittled it down, they agree on 90% of the policy, then the goal should not be to be destroying each other. It, you should be making the argument saying, this is why I am the best person to be president to get these things done. So it doesn't matter. You know, if someone has great policy, if there's a politician out there, look, look, here, let's do it this way. In my opinion, Ron DeSantis has fantastic policies, obviously. I've seen that firsthand in Florida. And as I always tell you, he's blueprinting that across the country right now, and we see it happening. School choice in other states, fighting ESG in other states, et cetera. If people wanna copy that, that's pretty great. And I think he'd be thrilled if, if Ron DeSantis woke up and he was like, boy, 37 states have copied my woke policies, my ESG policy, they're lowering taxes, uh, they're doing infrastructure projects faster, et cetera, et cetera. I think he'd be, think it was great. Now, Trump on the ego level might have, he would want more credit for it or something like that. He'd want them to put you know, Donald J. Trump at the bottom of it. But I don't care who came up with the stuff first. The question is who can accomplish this stuff and who can communicate it properly so more people get on board. 
Um, I think clearly you know what my answer is on that one. Uh, Sonny says, Dave, how have your views on the world changed after having kids? Was Jordan Peterson right? You know, Jordan and Tammy came over for dinner last week and it was the first time that Jordan got to, to meet the kids. And Justin, my oldest, uh, his middle name is Jordan in honor of Jordan and I, I. We had called Jordan and Tammy on, we did it on video and I didn't want to do it without his his blessing. And of, and of course he was thrilled. And I can I think I can say this, Jordan had a couple tears every now and again he does. Um, and I even teared up too, which is rare. Um, or at least certainly rarer than Jordan. Um, I think, well, it's changed everything. It's changed everything. Like it changes like the obvious stuff, like my day-to-day is very different, waking up with kids and changing diapers and being spit up on, uh, Luke pooped all over me the other day. I know I've mentioned this a couple of times because it's happened a few times, but I got a picture, I'll show it to the guys later. We're not gonna post it on the internet, but like it was insane explosion, but that's not, I'm sort of being silly about that stuff. Um, It's what I've said before on one hand, which is just like, I have an extra reason to fight. It's not just about me anymore. It's not just about David anymore. Like I have an, and and my family, meaning my family that I came from, there's an extra reason to fight and that's important. But I would say also, there's something else. It's like, you can see, it's it's almost like you could see the future in these kids' eyes. You know what I mean? They are so open to the world. Uh, uh, Justin's just starting to eat some solid foods. Like they're so at the beginning of everything that it, it like renews you in a way. I think I'm, I'm actually better at this job that I'm doing because of it. I think I'm a better person because of it. And that's, that's like a wild thing that you really, I, I can't even explain it properly right now. Like it just is. But any of you who are out there that are parents probably get it. Uh, Dragonfire says, whatever happened to needing 60 votes in the Senate? Only needing 51 votes does not promote working together and compromising, yes. And do you know who you have to blame for this? Shocker, it's the Democrats. You may remember around 2014, the Democrats used the nuclear option. Remember, Harry Reid was in charge. Harry Reid, just one of those names that everyone knew and now he's he's gone. Uh, He forced the nuclear option so that the Senate could pass things with 51, a mere majority as opposed to the 60, the, the super majority. You can find video, I don't recommend you do it, but I promise you, you can find it. When I was a lefty, I was a progressive, I was on the Young Turks and that was happening and they were all thrilled about it because it was gonna mean that the Democrats were gonna have more power and you, I promise you this is out there. You can find video of me saying, we better be careful what we ask for right now because this will be used against the Democrats. You don't want to change the system just because you have the power to do so because that means the other guys are gonna do it too. And you are completely right. This is a huge problem coupled with the fact that now, you know, with the Democrat administration, the tie vote in case of a tie is the vice president. And that's Kamala. I mean, Jesus. So uh, blame Harry Reid. Google Harry Reid nuclear option and you can find all about it. I'm pretty sure it was, uh, my guess is it was probably fall of 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Richard says, will you ask every congressperson and senator if they support legislation forcing all members of Congress, the cabinet, and White House executives to be banned from any investment trading of stocks, futures, commodities while serving and have their portfolios held in a blind trust, making it a federal felony crime. They should be held to the standard that we have legislated for Wall Street. Well, I'm pretty sure that I just saw Matt Gates walk in, so I'm gonna do this show quick and I'm gonna make sure that I ask him that very question in about 15 minutes, so stay tuned on that one and I'll try to ask it to everyone else uh, that I haven't. But yes, term limits and figuring out how these people don't walk out 
millionaires while they come in you know, with next to nothing uh, is a major issue. Somehow, usually the Democrats, but the Republicans have done pretty well uh, in that department as well. Uh, Sam says, why is the GOP messaging so bad? Why are we not advertising GOP successes over Democrat failures? You know, one of the reasons is that because, as you know, Andrew Breitbart said, politics is downstream from culture, we're always fighting up. When, when you've got Hollywood, when you've got big tech, when you've got music and art and comedy, now a lot of this stuff is changing, but when you have the, the superstructure of that, we're always fighting against it. And they're always kind of moving on it. And it's this ever-growing amorphous blob. I really do think that's changing. I mean, there's no, there's what's funny coming out of the left? When's the last time you heard some good new music, right? Like, like in this bizarre time that we live in where everything seems to be sort of so politically correct and everyone's so afraid to say what they think, you can't create in that. And I think that's actually starting to change, which is why Joe Rogan's funny, Dave Chappelle is funny. Like the edginess is now coming out of people. It's not that they're conservative per se, it's not that they're Republicans. I certainly don't think either one of those guys consider themselves a Republican, but they're not a woke leftist and that's pretty good. That means you're somewhat counterculture. Uh, Nick says, has anyone ever told you that David kind of looks like a young Tom Hanks? Uh, the resemblance is astounding. This is totally gonna change Forrest Gump for me. I will look into that and see what's what. Aliza uh, says, uh, Bibi Netanyahu and his right-wing legislators won their election on a platform of reforming their judicial system that has evolved into a left-wing cabal that governs from the bench. Well-funded left-wing protesters are terrorizing Israel. Funding and organizing comes from abroad. Does anyone have the courage to acknowledge Bibi's courage and wish him the best? You know, it's interesting because just as we're starting this show, I'm seeing a whole bunch of things that it sounds like BB may be reversing course on some of these judicial reforms. We haven't covered it too much, but we are doing, I think I hinted at this a couple weeks ago, uh, we are doing an international trip coming up end of April into May. We're doing Israel and Hungary. Uh, I'm hoping that we can sit down with BB again. Obviously, I did it a couple months ago and hoping that we can sit down with Orban in, in Hungary. Um, He's backed off a little bit, so why don't I just leave it there and we'll, we'll hit this up more uh, later in the week. Uh, Elizabeth says, who is your favorite founding father? I've answered this one a couple times. You know, my, I, I always go to Thomas Jefferson for a couple reasons, but I think the main one is that you can go to his house in Virginia, Monticello, and it's not even a house, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible estate, and you can take a tour where they go through the brilliance of Thomas Jefferson, this man who was literally writing the laws to free the slaves as he was still a slave owner and had relations with slaves, but he was, he was writing aspirational documents that, that freed people that were maybe better than he was as a man, and that's what we all are, right? Like we can all believe in things that are, that are beyond us. And, and try to be better. And, uh, and he did so many, I mean, he was an incredible inventor and when they even show you how he created, you know, they didn't have uh, electricity, like how he created this unbelievable uh, freezing unit underground so that he could have ice in the middle of the summer in Virginia. Like the guy was a true genius, I think it goes without saying, but you should check it out if you've never been there. A couple more, Deborah says, uh, what's going on with the senators that are MIA seems very secretive. Fetterman, McConnell, Feinstein, we really need term limits. Yes, we need term limits, two terms, and you gotta go. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Uh, yes, that would be good. Fetterman, I don't know what's going on. Apparently there was a picture of him that came out in the last couple of days, but it's like, is this shocking? Like, is anyone shocked by this? Nobody even cared for a month, which tells you a little something. 
Diane Feinstein, she's 162 years old. No one's seen her in forever, but I guess she finally said she's not gonna run again. Yeah, we need, and McConnell, you know, he fell, I guess, and, and hurt his leg. How about some younger people? I'm not an ageist. The Golden Girls is one of my favorite shows, okay? I loved Cocoon, but we need some people in their 30s and 40s and 50s, people who are in their prime of their life who understand a new world and a world that we're going to, as opposed to just having geriatric people like we have in the White House who don't know what's going on. Enough, enough, enough. Amanda says, I've heard some people say they think DeSantis is a deep state plant. Why would they think that? What has he done that aligns with the deep state? I don't know, you know, these people that keep saying he's a rhino or a globalist, it's like, I don't know, the guy's done everything that I could have asked as someone that loves freedom in Florida, right? I mean, we kept the state open, we've kept taxes low, we've got low unemployment, low crime, like things are working, we're fighting ESG, fighting the woke. So it's like, if that's what the deep state is planting on us, then <laughs> I guess we gotta give the deep state uh, some credit. Uh, Amy says, have you traveled with the boys yet? If so, how did it go? If not, are you waiting until they're a specific age? We've taken them to the uh, local botanical gardens and to the petting zoo. That's as far as we've gone so far. Uh, but yeah, I think maybe, over, you know, they're just at the age where it feels like a little more okay to be getting them in the car and getting them out there. Uh, but Disney will not be the first trip. How about that? Uh, Rocking World says, how can I navigate the waters when one of my close friends is very far left, yet I am on the right? I'm hesitant to talk about anything about politics because I don't want to seem fake, especially now in recent months where everything's so polarized. It's a great question to end on. Look, you know, I've discussed versions of this before. What, what you will consistently find is that if your friend is far left and you're on the right, and let's just say you're a complete moderate. You probably don't think politics is everything, but they probably do by definition. And if you're going out of your way not to tell your friend what you think or not to debate a something that's on your mind, at some point that doesn't become a friendship. A friendship's a two-way street that you can hopefully over time through conversation and arguing and laughing and having a drink and shooting the shit and all of that stuff that you can actually better each other. And at some point, as the years go by, if you're like, boy, you know, I've got this friend who I don't really tell what's on my mind. We don't really talk about anything important. I'm kind of skirting the issue all the time. You might just realize, boy, that turns out that's not the friend I call that often because it's not that everything has to be about politics. I would actually say the reverse, but, but friendship is based in mutual respect. And unfortunately with the, with the lefties, it, it is freaking tough. On that note, I know I spoke very fast, but Mac Gates is standing right there. And he, I think his hair is higher than mine today, so we're gonna have to duke it out. RubenReport.locals.com if you wanna play along during the show. My full episode with Dan Crenshaw is up right now. I leave you with the cold close, and we'll see you tomorrow. The Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun. Bruh. And what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all this stuff about move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast.
And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubenreport.locals.com.